0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to In Season Podcast. It's great to have you on with me today. There's a lot to talk about in regards to Nebraska Ball and the Las Vegas Raiders. Several games for Nebraska Ball we'll dive into, and some thoughts about where we have been and where we're maybe going, and also thoughts on the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, some movement has happened with staffing and coaches. And so there's gonna be some motion probably on this podcast. Um, maybe more negative, that's how I'm wired. But without further ado, let's dive in. Okay, so let's talk about. Some of the latest games. Let's start with Nebraska ball. A lot has happened here. And um, we've had three games since my last podcast. Nebraska took a hiatus. The Ohio State game postponed. I haven't heard anything about that. But they played at home against Wisconsin. At home against Rutgers. And then on the road at Michigan. And... Let's start with the Mich- Let's start with the Wisconsin game. Let's just let's go down here. Wisconsin's number eleven. They've been pretty good this year. Um, Chucky Hepburn has been a great freshman for them. Johnny Davis, one of the best players in the Big Ten, and Brad Davison, who probably is on his eighth season for for Wisconsin. Um, they have a great team there. Um, some veterans, some new guys who are really talented. Um, this, wait, this is going to be a tough game, and I, and I knew that. Even at home, it would be a tough game. Trey McGowan's back in the starting lineup, getting 29 minutes. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot. And Hoiberg has come out and said they're easing him into this. They're um, still limiting his playing time. Um, but he got 29 minutes. And so that's an interesting comment when you're already getting 29 minutes more than any bench player. When you're in the starting lineup so He struggled in this game He didn't do a ton Offensively And it showed But defensively he Shifted things around um, Our defense Looks so much Better when he's in there uh, We had more turnovers this game We got a rebounded. That's nothing new our free throw percentage, I feel like, is good. I'm going to look at these every game. But we shot 82% in this game off of 17 attempts. That's pretty good. Our three-point percentage is staying above 30, which you may say, well, you really should do that anyways. Well, we weren't. At the beginning of the year, we weren't doing that. So, um, we 35% in this game. Their field goal percentage, however, was 36%. That is a credit to our defense. Um... Shooting just under 37 percent. As a credit to our defense, we shot better than them in total field goals. And I, I'm I'm very impressed by that. Our defense with Trey McGowan's is so much better. I'll get to that in a minute. This game looked like it was going to get out of hand in the second half. We were kind of in it a little bit. In the first half, we were down eight and a half, and I thought, man, this looks like it just could get it could get pulled away. I think Wisconsin could just r- run us out here in the second half, and we came out with some grit, and didn't gi- didn't give up, didn't come up in the towel, and that's that's been a staple of this team this year, a lot of adversity, and we just continue to fight. So there was a time there in the second half when they were up, I believe it was 18. Uh, that was exactly what I thought. Oh, they're going to run us out. It's over. Nebraska fought back, went on a 9-0 run and cut it to single digits. Incredible effort. They have just fought back in these types of games. Against number 11, Wisconsin, when that starts to happen, you could easily get blown out. We've seen that several times this year where you can just easily get run out of the gym, suffocate the home crowd. Chucky Hepburn, of course, coming back to his uh, home state. And that statement alone just uh, disappoints me that we couldn't get Chucky Hepburn. Um, if he's starting on this Wisconsin roster, imagine him starting on our roster with Bryce McGowan's. Oh, I shouldn't think about that. Oh, oh, I shouldn't do that. We ended up losing by eight in this game, and I thought you know losing single digits in this type of game was good, and our second uh, second half defense was impressive. Very impressive to me. There's not a ton to say about this game. You you play against number 11. Um, the other two games, I have a little bit more emotion about them. So let me just talk about them. Let's get to the Rutgers game. Again, a home game against Rutgers. A- and and le- before I do this, let me just tell you the score the last time we played. We played in New Jersey. Um, home game for Rutgers. And... The score of that game was ninety-three to sixty-five. We lost by twenty-eight to one of the perennial losers in the Big Ten. Sure was a home. Sure was a road game. Shouldn't lose by twenty-eight to Rutgers. Okay, so play them at home. This game frustrated the living crap out of me. I. You, just, you understand at this point that the refs aren't going to give you what they should give you, and that's fine. That's fine. What was more frustrating in this game was us. I know some people will talk about the refs. They've handed games to other teams this year, which we could have won, but it was on us this game. It really was. We were up with, what was it, three minutes left in the first half, Nebraska was up 11, and I was listening to it on the radio at that point. And they were saying, "Oh, here we go. We can take advantage of this. By halftime, we can stay up by by double digits, and um, you know, we can have a nice, comfortable lead going in half." They would go on an 8-0 run to cut it to three, and be down three at half. We had such an amazing defensive performance that first half against the Rutgers. And they have some scorers on that team, like Geo Baker. um, They have Ron Harper Jr. And we got them... We got got Ron Harper in foul trouble, which was huge. He sat a lot of the first half and just gave our big men breathing room. Although they would still be in somewhat of foul trouble, which I'll get into a little bit. But we led for... (laughs) We led that entire game. We led up until the last 90 seconds of the game. And this is becoming a theme this year. Even when we play well, we can't play a full 40 minutes. And that, what I've said before, that is the is one... Um, one way you can, you can tell a good team, you can tell this is a good team, they, they can make a run because if you don't see that, if you don't see it, they can play 40 minutes and you're thinking March Madness, you know, you have, you have your conference tournament and you have, you know, the NCAA tournament if you do make that. In order for you or Nebraska, who my goal is for somebody to get them a, an NCAA tournament win, for you to, be cons- to get there, you have to play 40 good minutes. Nebraska still has not done that this year. And, and, and they did it last year towards the end of the season. It was in February or March that we did that. That took a while as well. These Hoiberg teams cannot play 40 full minutes. And it got down to the wire here, and Nebraska would just blow it down the stretch. We blew it down the stretch. We had this game in hand, and we're missing free throws down the stretch. We we can't make shots. I mean, we we had twelve more free throws than them in this game. We out rebounded them. Largest lead was eleven. We made six threes in this game, three more than they made. They shot horribly at three point. They started making them down the stretch. We weren't covering anybody. It looked like we were. We we were like got a lead and they're like what do we do with this? What do we do with a lead? <laughs> and. It just looked like this lackluster defense. The defense we played all game, they just started making threes that weren't very well contested. They had easy shots, and they were getting fouls. And we simply blew that game. I I don't get mad like to the point of throwing stuff anymore. You're just numb to all of this. That, this one felt like, if you want to compare it to something, if you watch Husker football, this felt like the Michigan State game last year, where... When we played Michigan State, it, by all accounts, it looked like there's no way you can lose this game. There's like, what, seven minutes left, and we that punt play, everyone remembers the punt play, where they faked us out, but we knew where the ball was going and still got faked out. I think at one point in that Nebraska-Michigan State game, we had like a 99% chance to win, still lost that game. This is what it felt like. This is what it felt like. There's no way you should lose this game. Especially against Rutgers. But it was very clear to me that Rutgers wanted to win more than us. And we shot poorly, sure. But they did too for a long time. That's all I'll say specifically about that game. Let's jump to the first February game of 2022. 2022. This happened two days ago. We played Michigan on the road. Now, Michigan has been just an interesting team this year. They're 11. Well, now they're 11-8. and eight. They were 10-8 and eight heading into this game. They've just, they're definitely not what they were last year, not even close. However, they still have Hunter Dickinson, Eli Brooks, who he feels like the Brad Davison of this team. He's been here forever, it feels like. Um, and some good young guys that they're building a new program, new coach. Not a new pr- program, but a new coach. Um, and what was nice is we were very physical and aggressive in the first half of this game. We attacked Hunter Dickinson, the 7-footer, and got him into foul trouble. He, he did not play very much down the stretch because he had two fouls. And in the second half, he would not get a foul. There would not be a foul on him. So we just lost the aggressiveness of this. And this this was a similar feel too because they did not shoot well on threes. We were out on threes. They took 15 and only made 2 of them. That percentage is 13. We had they were cold, sure, but we played. We contested threes in this game. We shot well again on on free throws. We shot 50% in this game. We got absolutely mauled on the boards. And, and we were at, I think it was the under eight timeout in the first half. We were ahead on boards still. And we would end up being trounced on the boards by 15. So the, the energy we gave in the first half to attack Hunter Dickinson, to crash the boards, was just not there in the second half. It really wasn't. And what irks me the most, what really frustrates me, is that we were up by seven and a half. We were up by 7.5, and, and so again, the same principle was happening. Our defense was okay in this game. It was just kind of a shootout. It felt like a shootout a little bit. Um, but they got 48 points in the second half. 48 points. And so it swung, and they would win by 6 when we were up by 7.5. And... A half. Bryce McGowans, freshman of the week again. This guy is insane. God, how can we get him back for another year? I want him back so badly. Um, 24 points in this game, shot 50%. Trey McGowans, 26 minutes in this game. And Derek Walkward foul out. Mayan had three fouls. Eduardo Andre had four fouls. This is becoming a theme that is, is really hurting us. That the our big guys are getting the foul trouble, and sometimes it's not really our fault. Sometimes it's okay, the refs are just really calling these these real ticky tack fouls as I call them, these these small fouls that you could probably let go. I mean it's the paint game. The guys are battling, you can you can kind of let it go. On the other hand, we're just not being smart in the post. Walker, man, and Andre. And that becomes a problem because Wilhelm Breidenbach is out for the season. So we don't have that kind of fourth guy to be down low. And Lat and man really can't play the five position. It's either Walker or Andre. And I saw even Keon Edwards came in just to give uh, somebody a blow or there's foul trouble. I saw Keon Edwards, Edwards in there. He stepped in for a minute. And he he's like a tall guard. So, I I don't. We have to get smarter there. Uh, The other thing is, we need to talk about Trey McGowan's. You may think Bryce McGowan's is our best player, and I would probably agree with you. However, our most impactful player, I think, is Trey McGowan's. Let's go back in time a little bit. We've played Michigan twice, we've played Indiana twice. And we've played Rutgers twice. Let's talk about the first, since we're still talking about Michigan, let's talk about the first Michigan score. At home, we played Michigan, and this is, we don't have Trey McGown's at this point. He's still, he's out. He was out about a, almost a month ago at this point. This is December 7th. Final score is 102 to 67. 102 to 67. Our biggest deficit of the season is that game, still. Our second most is the very next game against Auburn, who is now the number one team, by the way. Yes, we did play the eventual number one team. And they also smoked us. Both deficits by 30. Okay, but forget the Auburn game. Let's go Michigan. So that deficit's 35. They get 102 points. Then this game, like I said... This final score was 85-79. to So already 17 less points in that first game. And it's a home-and-home. And And really the only key difference in this game was that Trey McGowan was missing. Michigan has pretty much been healthy all season. Pretty much the only difference is that Trey McGowan was missing. We allow 17 less points and we get 12 more points in this game. That is a big difference. But, let's talk about the Rutgers game. The two Rutgers games. So, the first Rutgers game, I already mentioned this. Rutgers won 93-65. to Sure, it's an away game. You're going to probably lose by more. The second game, at, at home for Nebraska. Probably going to be a little closer. However... It was 63, 61. Within two points. They scored 30 less points. one of the only big differences in that game is Trey McGowan's. Trey McGowan's missed the Ru- the away Rutgers game was there for the home against Rutgers. He we give up 30 less points with Trey McGowans in the game. Thirty less points. I'll tell you what, he, he is just he is so impactful. He is so impactful. Um, he did play in that first Indiana game. He played twenty one minutes, um, and we've played Indiana twice now. The first Indiana game was sixty eight to fifty five. They beat us by thirteen. Second game was seventy eight to seventy one. So closer again. <laughs> the the only difference in that game, Trey McGowan's. It just looks different. We. Losing Trey McGowan's, I, t- I think, is bigger than losing Bryce McGowan's, because offensively we still look like we still look off even with Bryce McGowan's in the game, even with him getting twenty plus points a game. We have looked terrible on defense without Trey McGowan's, and that has caused these blowouts. Because once you get behind, and these guys can just do whatever they want, it deflates you, and it doesn't matter what you do offensively, right? Trey McGowan's has been absolutely massive for us, and I am begging, I am begging the McGowan's brothers to stay one more year, to stick it out one more year. And, and this is really, this is really what Hoyberg needs. The biggest problem with Hoiberg, the Hoyberg era at Nebraska, is this: he can't get guys to stay. Every year we 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 have five to eight new guys come in. They all have to learn Hortberg's system. They all have to gain rhythm. They all have to learn their identity on the team. They all have to learn what their role is. They have to figure it out. And so you have these growing pains like you saw this year, first game of the year, Western Illinois, we lose at home. And sure, there should be growing pains. You know, every team is a very different team when you start in November versus where you end up in March. That should happen. There should be that growth for for every team. But that looks different for a Duke in November versus a Nebraska in Denver in, in November. Duke in November is is you know probably looking like a top ten team. I mean they can beat other top ten teams and they do. They play the Michigan states of the world, they play the Kentuckys of the World and the Kansases of the world. And they can beat those guys in November. We can't even beat Western Illinois in November. So that's that's the hardest part for Hoiberg, and 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 you can com- that is a good comparison actually to Duke because Duke turns over their roster as well. They get these one and done guys, but they're five stars. You know, they they get top recruiting classes. They can work with that, and Coach K does work with that. Hoiberg, he should not have to rely. On doing that because he doesn't—he only has one five-star, right? He doesn't have a team of five stars. He doesn't have three or four or five stars that are going to be in his in the starting lineup. So he he can't afford to do this. He can't afford to keep turning the roster over. And I'm just hoping you you kind of just are done with this year. <laughs> you kind of are just done with this year. You, I'm for me, I'm looking ahead already to next year, and I am like praying. To some god, the basketball gods. I'm I'm a Christian man, but sometimes you you just pray to the basketball gods that they would keep several of these guys around, because this is what keeps happening: is guys keep leaving. Simply put, and Hoiberg has to find somebody in the transfer portal that's going to fill that gap. they have to learn the system all over again. He can't. He can't. He doesn't have these veteran guys that are staying. Kobe Webster is the only one, and he he's not one of the most talented guys. And that shows by him not starting many games this year, if any. I can't. I don't know if I can think of many where he has. When Trey was out, Tominaga stepped in. So Kobe's just this leadership guy off the bench. Even when that guy sticks around. So Nebraska ball. Where do you go from here? I don't know, I don't know. I I don't. Hoyberg has this huge buyout thanks to Moose. Um, I, I I don't even think about firing him. I I think you give him one more year. If guys don't stick around, it's like, man, this is what it's going to be. And maybe you cut it off then, but you might as well. It's Nebraska ball. Nobody's going to be up in arms that you keep Hoyberg. And. Who cares what the fans say anyways, right? That might be a good transition to the next part of this. Who cares what the fans say? Let's transition to the Las Vegas Raiders, Oh boy. Um, oh jeez, I I really I really just I, I here's what I'll say. I want to be proven wrong. I'm more than I. Listen, I'm a humble man, right? I'm the most humble guy on the planet. I, I want m- my opinion to be wrong. I really do. The Las Vegas Raiders, if you don't know, just hired Josh McDaniels. Now, if you don't know who Josh McDaniels is... He's been basically Belichick's offensive coordinator, offensive mind for years. And he tried the the head coaching gig with the Broncos. And in fairness to them, without Peyton Manning, the Broncos were pretty much uh, a dumpster fire. Without Peyton Manning, they have not been able to figure out their quarterback situation. However, Josh McDaniels went 11-17 and at the Broncos. And I... That's a failure. He, he ad- has admitted this. He ad- has admitted, and I firmly believe, he, he was not a good head coach at all at the Broncos. Now, he comes in, does his press conference here after he gets hired. Mark Davis says... It's... He was very, very excited by the interview with Josh McDaniels. He does his press conference says, You know, I learned a lot from... Broncos, well, yeah, I sure hope you have. I, I really, I hope you have. If you're going to do the same thing you did at Denver, please, just do just pull a Urban Meyer, do this for less than a year, and get out of here. Because we're wasting our time if you're going to do the same thing. So obviously, you want to say, yeah, I've learned something from my head coaching gig, head, head coaching time at Denver. But the fact still remains... And I've seen some people who I think are just optimists on Twitter, that, that they say, well, you know, some coaches, some coaches, they, they do better the second time around. Sure, that's true. That is so true. That's not a 100% guarantee. It certainly isn't. In fact, more often than not, if they get a second chance, it does not work out. And what makes people think that he's going to work here in Vegas? Is he expecting to get Devontae Adams from from Packers as he's a free agent? I don't think he has quite the tools. Because, listen, here's the deal. he He's the head coach now. He's not just the offensive guy. What was, the beauty of, of New England is that... You know, Belichick was a mind over it all, and he could focus on defense too. Belichick was more of a defensive mind; he always has been, and he could bring McDaniels in and say, "Hey, just handle the offense, and I'll do everything else." And that is why it worked so well. When he was at Denver, he had to do everything; did not work. And my opinion is still the same that it will not work here, because he has to be over it all. He's not just on the offense. He's got to at least oversee the defense. Now, the other part of this is that today, I don't know when this was announced, I saw it today, is that Greg Olson, the offensive coordinator, will not come back. Tom Cable, the O-line coach, who has been a a faithful Raider through and through, head coach once, that didn't work out. (laughs) Give him a second chance. Yeah, I bet that'll go well. Um, he was great with the O-line I th- yeah. Again, Tom Cable If I could if I could spend just a minute on Tom Cable he's He deserves this minute We came in getting rid of Just about our whole offensive line from last year Which threw me in an uproar You did not need to get rid of all of them And guess what Rodney Hudson did at the Cardinals this year He was Oh, he was so good at the Cardinals this year Oh, man If we had just kept him at center Got rid of everybody else, sure, it would have been fine but the way the offensive line started in the first few weeks to where they ended up was a dramatic difference. And that is, a, that is only a shout-out to Greg Olson and Tom Cable. And you could argue Basaccia. That is on those guys for turning that ragtag team of offensive linemen into something where at least, at least Derek Carr has time. <laughs> Because that's not how it was at the beginning. And eventually it turned into something, you know, middle of the pack, right? Um, So I'm disappointed Tom Cable won't come back. I I just, you know, this happens. When you get a new head coach, um, they just like to bring in their own guys. And I understand that. You want kind of the system in place. But you're keeping the same players. And the players responded well to some of these coaches, I would be like, yeah, you know what you're doing here. I, I would love to bring a voice in that was already in from last year's locker room who had success, or maybe you disagree that Tom Cable had success, and say, why don't you come in, why don't you be, be in my staff still? A guy that that was in that locker room last year, most of those players are coming back. You're not going to get rid of a ton of those players. Um, I'm I'm fine, personally, with Greg Olson leaving. I don't think he's ever... Superb with our offense. The guy I want back, which I don't think they've announced this, but I'm pretty sure he's not coming back, is Gus Bradley, who finally turned our defense into something formidable. We were finally good. We finally had a pass defense, and sure, we had Nate Hobbs and, and Trayvon MORG of rookies, who were ex- 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 great rookies, um, but somebody's got to coach him. And Casey Hayward, a veteran, came in, too. But you you still have to coach him. And Gus Bradley did a fantastic job. Denzel Perryman, too. And he knows them. And, and again, McDaniels just wants his own guys, I think. And I understand that. I do. But... (laughs) Uh, This whole process to me is just like... You know, we got to the playoffs this year. If you keep the roster the same but the coaches change and then it doesn't work, it's going to be, well, why didn't you hire Bisaccia? The guy who did that. Because if the roster's the same and it doesn't work out quite like last year did, you're gonna say, well, why'd you make the coaching change? Why didn't you just keep Bisaccia? Rich Bisaccia, our interim coach this past year. uh, To me, I don't know why you'd look outside of, outside of Rich Bisaccia or Jim Harbaugh. And I realized now that the Jim Harbaugh things were just maybe a distraction for, for Vegas. I don't think we were ever intently looking at him. I don't even know who we were intently looking at, but... Josh McDaniels is now our head coach. And he will get his second try at this... At this uh, position... I'm not excited about it. However, again, I want to be proven wrong. I want it to work out. I want whoever's head coach at the Las Vegas Raiders to work out. I do not want them to fail. I have seen 18 years that has sent me into crippling depression and just a numbness, you know, that that I really just don't want. Really don't want it. We've been to the playoffs twice in 18 years. Can we please at least get here to the playoffs like every three years? Like, that, that's not a lot to ask for. Maybe it is. I don't know. I just... I, I got real mad when they hired McDaniels, when they announced it. I just... You had Pisaccia who had showed success last year. He showed success. Josh McDaniels has not shown success at the head coaching position. And guess what? Rich Pisaccia. And Josh McDaniels have both had one try at a head coach, and McDaniels had two years. Bassachia had, what, fourteenth, uh, thirteen games, thirteen games, and he goes seven and five. Josh McDaniels eleven and seventeen. So, Josh McDaniels has had a lot of time to think about his time at Denver. However, I'm I'm well. I'm usually pessimistic, but I'm pessimistic. That's what that's what this team does to you, and it, it doesn't make sense to me that they hired McDaniel's, but it is what it is. We will see for the next podcast probably uh, some more assistants hired, and, and I'll probably dive into the uh, the coordinators and and the coaches that come in. We'll dive into the GM a little more as well. Uh, we'll get to that as as more unfolds that will be next week um, and i don't know i'll just i'll be along with the ride we'll see how the off season goes who we keep um, and who we get in the draft that's what's most important as that approaches we'll talk about that who we should draft I don't usually keep up with the tone of the draft but like the specifics of it, but we'll talk about positions we need. Um, that's the kind of what we're looking into. Nebraska ball plays on Saturday at noon, home against Northwestern. Good Lord. Can, this has to be our first win in the conference. We've got to beat Northwestern at home, and then Minnesota at home on the ninth. So, next Wednesday, those are our next two games. They'll probably talk about next week on the podcast. Um, Could we see Nebraska get two wins in a row? I think this is our best stretch to do it. If there's one stretch to get two wins in a row, it is this one. And um, I shouldn't get my hopes up. So we're playing Northwestern Saturday, Minnesota next Wednesday. It has been a pleasure to chat with you all. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.